So first and foremost. I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. My grandfather yeah. took the cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken point? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're gonna go back to 9 11. Dude, get over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands what the rights are supposed to be. Agra has no <laughs> business being that thick. <laughs> when the cultists win, we all win. tell me we don't want to date this but i'm going to do it a little bit because i'm very excited about this uh tomorrow able to go get my booster shot for covid i am very very happy about this mm-hmm. because i have spent the last couple of months at my job uh basically every day um kind of partially holding my breath Sure, uh, sure. And, you know, what with Delta being a thing mm-hmm. and uh, the knowledge that uh, with what we know now about how, how boosters are, are working for people, I'm going to feel a lot better about going into my job, uh, you know, after a week after my booster shot. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, and then the other uh, slightly less grim uh, detail is that uh, my wife and I are uh, in all seriousness in all earnestness now hunting for a house for ourselves and uh, our son uh, which has multiple wonderful wonderful avenues uh, that I'm very excited about for you know what this means for the future uh, the two big ones we talked about the the barbecue issue uh, before uh, but also uh, I'm, I'm very excited about the fact that where I move might have a better internet connection <laughs> so uh, we might wind so up are fans of the show. having fewer fewer uh you know uh audio glitches and other issues uh come up on those occasions when we have to record uh at a distance so that's that's my big news going on who are you and what do you got going on well i'm damien harmony i am a latin and drama teacher up here in northern california um and uh actually i i i want to put in a request for you um 
Okay. When, when you get a house, make sure that it's yeah. got a good recording space for us so I can come to you. So oh, let, yeah. let your wife yeah, know that I insist. I think that'll go over okay. well. Okay, yeah. I will. I, yes, I'm yeah. sure that will go over famously. <laughs> yes. Uh, if I did it, it would actually, because yeah. she would yeah, she well. would catch the twinkle in my eye, and I'm charming. Uh, you have only your personality to fall back on, so probably not a good idea. Fuck you. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think that's yes, yes. I think yes. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Left-handed, uh, inverted, backhanded compliment. Yeah, <laughs> but my big news actually is that I have been invited to be a Trump free speech defender. Um, I have been getting emails all week from Donald Trump Jr., starting with "Friend, my father needs you." Yeah. So my okay, main... I'm trying to remember yeah. is is Trump Jr. Beavis or Butthead? Uh, he's the one that's always coked out. Not the one that I actually spent some time defending because he seemed like he was on the spectrum. Right, right, right. Right. Okay. Um, But uh, so (sighs) what I really want to, the reason I really bring that up is if if you're out there listening, whoever played this prank on me, well done. (laughs) And fuck you. I mean, I, this this has the same vibe as when I used to call like the most obscurely strange religious groups and and give them my friends' addresses and ask for materials to be sent. So like the oh, Korean wow. Jewish Community Center, um, you know, it, oh, several of my friends damn. got solicited right. by them. You know, stuff That's like that. Funny. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah, this has no, that same vibe. Okay. So so Lee dated a guy in late high school uh, who wound up. Uh, joining the Navy and and apparently got into special forces mm-hmm. and uh, he wound up giving her name to some kind of recruiting resource <laughs> and for literally years about every six months she get called by some different you know recruiting <laughs> chief okay so would be would be trying to get her to come in and she was like she was eventually she finally just lost it and said okay no look i dumped him he was pissed okay of of all the no interest i have no interest in joining the military (laughs) leave me the fuck alone okay but i i gotta say this like there are a thousand ways for guys to be shitty to their exes yeah this way is kind of funny (laughs) <laughs> because bit. what's the harm a, of every six months having to tell yeah. the coast guard no when you live in kansas <laughs> you know like so uh have you ever had to deal with a recruiter yeah actually i did um oh, okay. so okay a friend of mine because those motherfuckers are persistent uh, yeah well they got to make quotas like, a friend of mine yeah. was uh he lost his leg to cancer and they kept recruiting him and then he died, and they kept recruiting him to the point where his mom said, he's already dead. You don't get to do that. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so the Marines, I don't know if they kept calling her after that. But um, they also started, I don't know if they were going alphabetically or if they had a friend web or something, but they hit me up, and they asked me in high school, you know, hey, Damien, uh, so-and-so from the Marines, like to talk to you about your future. Oh, okay. Um, you know, can we meet you on campus tomorrow? Sure. We're having a picnic out on the senior quad. Come on by. Oh, okay. 
Now, if if you don't know what I looked like in high school, imagine if one of Jesus's apostles was Irish and didn't walk anywhere. Um, so okay. the long so hair, pale long hair, and chubby. Okay. Yeah. Out uh, of shape. So right. uh, no, it was round. I was in a shape. Um, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so geometrically speaking, it's yes. a shape. Yes, geometrically, okay. I was nearing perfection. Um, but uh, <laughs> spherically, it's I've quite seen pointy photos. In you parts. weren't that spherical. No, but, okay. no. But all the same, cylindrical. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. There you go. Um, uh, parabola. Um, yeah, rhomboid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I I called a friend of mine immediately. I said, "Hey, Allie, um, you know that pink dress you have that has little bells on it? Now, remember, this is the mid '90s, so the hip to ankle long skirt. Oh is, yeah, is in, oh oh yeah. Oh so, yeah, I had a, I like, had a thing for that. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I said, "Do you still have that?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "Can I borrow it tomorrow?" And she's like, "Sure." <laughs> so for the picnic, I was there in my friend Allie's pink skirt, uh, and you know, wearing with probably little bells on. Yeah, with little bells on, and wa- nice. probably wearing a Nine Inch Nails T-shirt or something like that. Yeah, and so yeah. uh, when the recruiter showed up to our picnic, uh, I stood up from being cross-legged. So now you see the the flowy dress. And I went into her, oh, great, great. Would you like some bread? Uh, you know, you wanted to talk to me about my future? They never persisted. <laughs> Oddly enough. So I took a page out of Max Q. Klinger's book. Yeah. Well, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, because because here's the deal. You hadn't already been conscripted. True, true. So, you know, but... <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I, I had a I had a classmate in, in high school who uh, tried like with all of like with every resource he had available, he tried to get into the Marine Corps mm-hmm. because in his case, uh, uh, as soon as he graduated, his dad was retiring from the Coast Guard. His dad was a very, very, very senior NCO in the Coast Guard. Ah. Uh, his dad was going to be retiring from the Coast Guard and they were going to be leaving San Diego, California and moving back to Nebraska Oof. where where his dad had grown up and his mom had grown up. And my friend did not want to move back, to, move to the Midwest. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, unfortunately, he ran into... Uh, medical disqualification issues but uh, the whole process because the recruiter wanted him so bad because mm-hmm. his test scores were were off the chart because he's a brilliantly intelligent individual uh the recruiter wanted him so bad and he was so motivated that like he went through every process he could try to find to get a waiver <laughs> and and he just he just couldn't he just couldn't meet the medical requirements um so it's like you're polar opposite. Now, yeah. now, in his case, it wasn't because he was like, you know, oorah, Marine Corps, but like, yeah. I don't want to go to Nebraska. Right. But, you know, but still, he was highly motivated mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it just, it didn't, it didn't pan out. Yeah, well, the, the sad so, irony of, uh, yeah, kind of, of both of those things. Yeah. So you know, I, I wound up, uh, right out of college, I tried to join the National Guard. Mm hmm. Um, and got medically disqualified literally in the recruiting center. Um, oh, for your and, eye. 
Uh, no. Oh. Oh no. No, my, my enormous was, penis. It was, it was it was a comedy. Well, that too. Okay, yeah. But it was it was a combination of things. That was part of it. Uh, but it was it was mostly because the uh, recruiting sergeant had been, shall we say, a little sketchy. Ah. Uh, in the way he advised me to report certain things in my medical history, which became blatantly obvious upon the actual, no, no, you got to stand here in your underwear and get a physical inspection uh. from the military doctor. Um, and yeah, I, I, I have a very prominent surgical scar on my left side that immediately became an issue. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, I got to watch the recruiting sergeant get a very, very hard, hairy eyeball from a colonel uh, over over why I was even there. <laughs> yeah. So that was an experience. But yeah. So we're we're here. We're not we're not here to talk about that tonight. Though. No. We're here to continue no. talking about zombies. Yes. Right? Yes, indeed. Um, I I don't even remember. This is like episode seven or eight. Something like it. Something like know, it. But you know, yeah. it's it's a genre that just keeps giving. It does. It does. You know, um, it just won't die. Back yeah. Over. Yeah. Over and over yeah. again, rising from the grave, as it were. So as I don't. Were. I don't remember if we talked about I Am Legend, but I there's not much to talk about with it, quite honestly. We, so I'm just going to touch on didn't. it a little. Yeah we, yeah, we got to the point where I think we were about we were just about there. When okay. We stopped before we got to it. So in 2007. We're going to pick up with I Am Legend. Uh, there was, I told okay. you about Flight of the Living Dead, I remember, because Snake's on the plane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we yeah. also saw I Am Legend. And I Am Legend, yeah. uh, I personally actually think that these are zombies by the typical definition of zombies. Um, and it okay. does go back to the science explanation, uh, as well as that hope mm. of reversal of the condition. Um, and I yeah. actually think that this was a great movie. I think Will, Will Smith carried it very, very well. Um, he's one of the few actors that, um, you know, I mean, he is the Kevin Costner of that era. Um, you know, Kevin Costner famously okay. carried, That's... uh, large chunks of movies on his own. Yeah. On his own. Yeah. yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. And I think, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen the whole movie all the way from the beginning to the end ever. Like I haven't sat down and watched the whole movie all the way through as mm-hmm. watching the movie, but I've seen, 75 percent of the film sure in in like chunks yeah 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 um kind of how i saw beastmaster growing up there you go yeah Yeah. um and and the the parts that i saw are a real testament to his ability to like you say carry the film Mm -hmm. on his own absolutely is he 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 still and, mm-hmm. and it's remarkable that he still, I think, doesn't get sufficient credit for his genuine ability. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say talent because he is a hardworking son of a gun. Like he, yeah, he has, is. he has, he has worked to develop his skill. Mm-hmm. And so the the ability that he has to emote without having to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Is, his eyes are his remote. eyes and his lips are fantastic for that. He does he tells yeah. a lot of stories on his face that way. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. No. It's it's what the part the parts of it that I've seen are mm-hmm. a really a far better movie than the original source material I think deserves. Yes. 
And um, you know, it also you know. this this particular one also inverts the zombie trope um, because most of the time zombies are all very dark and rotty. These these zombies are very white. Um, and most of the time zombie movies are threatening a white woman. These zombies are threatening a black man. Um, and this is the the black man who is probably the only one who can figure out how to save them. So there's a lot of inversions there. Now, what I didn't know at the time that I saw it was that it in fact was a remake. Um, I, I, I wasn't aware Um, the Omega man. Yeah. And part of it's part of it's because I don't read besides star wars books and history books so <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a it's the film is a remake of the early film omega right. or not early film the 70s film yes. omega man with chuck heston mm-hmm. uh in his in his post planet of the apes sci-fi scenery chewing glory yeah yeah it's uh d- did you ever did you ever watch any part of omega man no as, as part of your research for that <laughs> okay no. so because omega the omega man, man was about vampires so it's yeah and that's the thing that's so what's not really remarkable movie. about it is it is really very much a vampire film mm-hmm. which is very much in keeping with the original short story mm-hmm. or novella that it's that it's built around which um i don't remember the title of the novella and i feel i think it might just be i am legend actually it might be yeah um and I'll I'll probably have to look it up, but it's 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 a it's a science fiction author's response to the last the, the writing prompt that we all see in college, you know, creative writing. The last man on earth mm-hmm. heard a knock at the door. Is is essentially where where that short story starts. Okay, and and the. He makes some interesting kind of statements about, you know, humanity and evolution and, mm-hmm. you know, post-humanity and this kind of stuff. But on an emotional level, the original story doesn't really, to me anyway, have very much emotional impact. Mm-hmm. I Am Legend had multiple points. And again, I've only seen three quarters of the film, maybe a little more. But like in the parts that I've seen, mm-hmm. there are moments that are that are like a punch in the gut. Like mm-hmm. it's an amazingly emotional film. Oh yeah, quite so. Uh, so yeah. So when I saw it, I I didn't know, like I said, that it was a remake. Nor did I know that the zombies actually saw themselves as the intelligent and civilized group, and that he was the rogue danger to them. Um, and I kind of wish that we'd seen all of that more too in the movie because they didn't really click into that anyway he's military he's a scientist and he systematically figured out how to survive in a world where he's all alone um and and i just i think that that's interesting in 2007 um so i'm gonna put a pin there uh in 2007 also saw the movie called planet terror which was part of tarantino's love letter to the 1970s exploitation films uh part of something called grindhouse yeah. Um, now I never saw this, but by all accounts, it was good. It also touched on the possibility of some cure being available due to the immunity that others had, just like I Am Legend. So it's 2007, and there's two movies besides the Snakes on the Plane knockoff um, where there is a a reversal in 2007, like like in an election year oh, coming up, we could okay, reverse yeah. all right. what we've all done right. wrong. I see what you're... Okay. And okay. all of these really white zombies uh, really are going the wrong odd. way. And it's there's a really on the nose. There's a 
black guy who's coming up and who might have the thing that gives us hope or change. Do, do we do we want to give the Zit guys that much credit for being that kind of on the nose? No, like, not at all, because okay, we're talking right. 2007. He hadn't won the primaries yet. Um, yeah. But... But but, there, but but on a but. on a subconscious level, there might have been. It's interesting that the, something about yeah. I think it's interesting that the ground was ripe for that, both in movies and in politics. I'll go that far. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, okay. So so let's see. I'm trying to remember when in 07 did the uh, collapse wind up happening. Uh. Let's when, see. when did the Great Recession I mean, I bought my house in August of 07, and it was already when things had started falling apart. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, let's say that then that whole thing had started in May. I'm trying to think like what time of year it was, but so the so the film was released in 07. Yeah, well, so housing so prices peaked in 06. I know that. Yeah. And then okay. in 07, they started coming down. Tumbling. Yeah, Tumbling. you started... Um, yeah, I mean, really, it's not till 08 that it really just starts crashing through the floor. But you oh, yeah, see crater. the tumbling starting to happen in late 06, early 07. Because it peaked, and then yeah. it starts to come down. Um, well, because that was the point yeah. at which everybody started realizing just how overvalued the market was. Well, because I remember good credit folks were getting screwed because there was the Countrywide Financial, I want to say. Um, that one uh, that one got, got uh, how do I want to say, got warned by the government like you'd better shore up your house. And that oh, yeah. led to a loss of confidence <clears throat> and then people... Yeah, yeah, and, and they and, and they and they tightened everything yeah. up, like yeah, and then on and on and on. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we're it, it, we're talking like summer of 07, um, which okay. is when all this hits. But in 06, yeah. we saw the peak, which means there were plenty of people saying, "Hey, yo, this is a bubble." As early as 06. As 06. Yeah. Okay. And 06 was also a congressional election. It was. And that would have been. That was the midterms for for Bush, and he lost those Bush. midterms. Yeah. Well, he didn't, but like okay. Republicans well, lost those midterms. It, it was an opprobrium. Yeah. yeah. And everything was falling apart. Remember in Iraq because we were going to get close to the oh. surge. Oh Jesus! Yeah. No, yeah. everything was completely falling apart yeah. in Iraq by that time. Like, like it's obvious that the threads are stretching, right? Yeah. Um. So, so, so yeah, all of, of that. So there. Yeah, so so there is a lot of okay, we're going mm-hmm. in the wrong direction. Yes. Uh kind of kind of energy mm-hmm. in the zitgeist. Okay. Yeah. So the yeah. tide is the tide is shifting yes. from one one direction to the other. Yes. Okay. So that Absolutely. makes sense. Yeah. Um All right. and it's not like this movie um was how to put it's not like this movie hadn't been try people hadn't been trying to make the movie for a while, because they had been. Um for quite some time. But um, if I recall correctly, it comes out in late 07. I want to say it's like kind of the last zombie movie. I want to say it's, I want to say it's kind of, it was a Christmas one. Yeah. 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 I want to say it was a holiday film. Yeah. Or holiday, that season of releases. Yeah. Film. And I remember they shot it on location in New York 
Yeah. And I believe, I want to say that was the year earlier. I want to say it would have been, yeah, because it would have gone into post-production. Yeah, I bet you it was 06. So, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the movie starts getting shot when things are falling apart, which means that people are, you know, it's already been written. But, I mean, this, again, this is a remake and on and on and on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. There, so. there is a, there is a space in the, in the popular consciousness. Yes, for this movie to get the green light and then yes. it gets released and then it becomes a hit. It does. Like it was, it was a success. It was in the top and, 20 for the year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I mean, not, not like a runaway, like, right. Oh my God, totally, you know, huh, viral. But, uh-huh. but it was, it was, it was a successful film. And this isn't, and this isn't like in in the in the bush leagues where you know you can be a success by making a million dollars because your budget was only you know uh-huh. two hundred thousand. This was a studio production mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you know being that kind of success means you really have to hit a nerve and sell a lot of tickets. Well, and with the biggest name in summer blockbusters for years prior. Yeah. Um, and now he's, you know, he's, he's doing this. It's a bit of a coming out for him as a more sensitive, less action schlocky and more sensitive emotional character too. Yeah. Well, because this is, this is kind of the genre version of, uh, Castaway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. So, um, I remember the comparisons being made at the uh time. I do too. Critics. Uh, and I, I will tell you this story and be as sensitive as I can. A person with whom I was romantically involved at the time, uh, okay. who rarely came to see movies with me, came to see this movie with me. Uh, I did not know fully that it was a zombie movie at the time. It looked post-apocalyptic, and it was Will Smith, and I was in. Um, we cool. were walking out, and I was like, wow, that was a really good movie. And this person said, that was a terrible movie. I said, really? You didn't like that movie? No. Why not? You didn't tell me it was a goddamn zombie movie. Oh, I didn't realize that bothered you. You told me it would be like Castaway. Well, it was. No. Castaway had Tom Hanks. So if Tom Hanks was in the movie, it would have been better? Yes. So you're a racist. What? <sighs> no. Okay. And, and I was teasing at that point. Um, but... but... Uh, but well, no, I, hey, no, I, I was like, teasing because I don't think that was from a racist spot. That was a, I expected Wilson, not, you know. <laughs> not the dog. Yeah, not the dog getting <laughs> choked to death. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so, so yeah, I. Yeah. I Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> on a movie I mean, that's it's a 14-year-old 14 14 old movie, but yeah. still. But anyway. Uh, the dog yes. does not make it. it the was... important point is the dog does not, for those of you who don't know yet, I'm going to let you know now, because for some people that's a big deal. The dog doesn't make it. Anyway. There's sorry. even a website, does the dog make it? I yeah, I know. So but but like, uh so yeah, it uh the the comparison to Castaway, I think, is is very apt. It's Castaway with Zombies and uh Will Smith. Um so so in two thousand seven, uh there's a movie uh about, you know, everything falling apart and if we would just listen to a damn scientist and a military expert at that, they could maybe see us through it. Um, and also there's the subtext of a whole bunch of white people um, who could get saved by the black guy if they would just listen. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So and, that's and, that's there. And they're all they all they all present to the audience as being mindlessly aggressive. Yeah, they do. They do. Now there's yeah. also another Resident Evil sequel. Uh, that came out in 2007. So I'm kind of bouncing <laughs> because, all around the year. Because of course there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone needed a I new mean, car. Come on. Um, yeah. So at this point, Alice has been cloned. She has telekinesis, and she's more and more badass. And and at this point, the whole franchise is just an ATM. I mean, it really is. Um, <laughs> okay. Wait. Uh, sure. Okay. 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 So Umbrella Corporation being uh-huh. a biotech. You know they're they're responsible for zombie plague. So obviously, like cloning is within their wheelhouse. Of course, I can, like sure. I'm fine with that. Okay, I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna bat an eyelash at that. Okay, but she's developed telekinesis. Yeah, you like, know, you clone things enough, what? and that happens. I mean, obviously. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I you know I'm still kind of having a little trouble buying into that, but. Okay. Well, right. Umbrella Corporation, like you said, can't leave well enough alone. They absolutely raised the bar as far as the deadliness of the zombies, which in some ways, of course they did. But in other ways, oh. the zombies are getting stronger. And that does deserve note in 2007, that the zombies are getting stronger in these franchises, harder to kill, more menacing. It's getting more dire in 2007. Uh, then okay. you also... yeah. Now the now the movie again, mm-hmm. the Resident Evil film yes. got released in 07. Yes. But my question is, mm-hmm. what is the turnaround time on a Resident Evil movie at this point? Probably fifteen minutes. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. I I mean like, like I, I they like probably how... just keep filming them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, because because the thing is, that's that's a really trenchant observation on your part that mm-hmm. like, okay, it's two thousand seven, and the zombies just keep getting harder to kill. Yes, and and they're a bigger threat, and they're scarier, and they're grimmer. Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. what what moment in the zitgeist led to this escalation? I guess is what I'm. What I'm I think what we're seeing with Resident Evil, we're seeing the capitalist uh, aspects of it. You're seeing this makes a lot of money for our video games, and our video okay. games make a lot of money for our movies, and zombies are hot right now. Um, okay. Yeah. It, so it's, 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 it's strictly a we've got to raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. As a as a narrative device, we have to raise the stakes. Yeah. For, otherwise, okay. who's going to come see it? Uh, it, okay. it, it was... Um, it was called it's Resident not, Evil not... Extinction, uh, and okay. it got released in September. Oddly. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, there's another movie in 2007 called War of the Living Dead. Um, and in this one, zombies enslaved humans and humans rise up. So there you go. Okay. Wait, no, sorry. Yeah. Sure. Back up. Sure. How, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming in this scenario that these are not mindless zombies. These are, these are somehow correct. Okay. So, so what, what makes these zombies zombies? They're, they're dead. Uh huh. I mean, clearly they must be the risen dead to qualify right in, in some way. Yep. So how are, are they, are they shambling or are they fast undead? Uh, they're quicker. They're quicker. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and and do they have speech and like clear, you know, cognition? 
Um, not quite. It's more like bullying. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm just I'm I'm as a as a you know D and D veteran and mm-hmm. and a genre guy. I'm I'm having a hard time picturing zombies being the undead force that would enslave humanity like vampires i can totally see vampires have all kinds of mental abilities to hypnotize people they're you know physically stronger they're faster they're you know all mm-hmm. all of the above um and they are smart mhm zombies kind of the definition of zombie is they're not smart so like one would think it would be difficult for them to enslave all of humanity. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm kind of hung up on this. I'm, okay. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting reversal to me. Yeah. And like, I don't know if there's anything else worth noting in that film, but that, there that isn't. just strikes me as weird. Okay. Yeah. No, there's, there's not much else okay. uh, of note there quite honestly. Um, but, uh, but I do think it's interesting that the zombies are, are starting off in a position of power Yeah, and humans are rising up in 2007. Um, in 2008, you see a remake of day of the dead. So we have the second, I think, remake of a Romero film. Um, these zombies can also crawl on the ceiling. So that's horrifying. Um, and there's another government created virus that mutates and zombifies people too. So now you wow. have government hubris. So they can, so they can, they can violate physics mm-hmm. and it's government hubris yep. and scientific and coupled with scientific hubris. Yep. So right. in 2008, and, you have a lot of zombie movies, a lot of them. Um, just like in 2007, like the, we're hitting the high watermark as far as quantity, um, okay. but quality, I think it belongs to 2008 because in 2008, the movie zombie strippers came out. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so is, is this another one of those Italian weird no. zombie porn? Play? Okay. This was on Spike TV. Because of course it was. Spike you TV was what? declaring itself, man. Like it was. At, at some point, at some yeah. point. We probably ought to just dedicate an episode to okay. Look, we had this thing <laughs> that was called Spike TV. Yeah, and as a culture, we need to reckon with this fact. <laughs> True. So in two thousand eight, you oh uh, go on. No, well, no, just like like we could we could very easily spend an episode just talking about okay, and then the guys behind Spike TV because they were all guys. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. There's no way mm-hmm. there was a single woman involved in any pitch meetings anywhere yeah. for that network. But like, no, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna market to toxic masculinity, and mm-hmm. that's gonna be like our whole brand. Yes. Like, I genuinely feel like as a culture, we need to have that held up in front of us and be like, yeah, okay, we did that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That that existed and that made money for a very brief period of time and we all need to recognize what's wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, stepping off my soapbox. Sure. Continue. Sure. Zombie. So zombie, zombie strippers. Strippers. Um Jesus. Yep. Spike TV. Uh, I believe Jenna Jameson was in it. Um so Because of course she was. Yeah. Uh it was it was two thousand eight and yep. yeah. It was Spike T V. So there you go. All right. 
So also in 2008, you see the first Call of Duty Nazi Zombies video game map come out. Really? Yeah, 2008, Nocturne Token from the World at War. Um, very popular overall. And then there was some DLC that you could download, and eventually yeah. Der Reese well, comes course. out. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so. and we we know we know about Der Reese. Uh huh. So <sighs> then then in 2009, Dead Snow comes out. Now I don't normally talk about foreign zombie films, but in this one I'm going to. It's it's okay. it, it's one of my favorites. It's not American. It's Norwegian. It very much carries that Norwegian vibe, that that understated comedy aspect to it. Okay. Um, and it's also the seventh zombie movie since Obama took office. Okay. So now I have a question about that. So you're saying it's the seventh zombie movie since Obama took office. Now, in this case, we're talking about a foreign made film. It is. Yeah. So, so then the question winds up being about that film, whether, whether it is still, in some way, a response to the zeitgeist of the fact that the Americans finally elected a black man to, to the presidency, mm-hmm. and and then the question becomes: of the seven films that have been made mm-hmm. since the election of Barack Obama to the presidency mm-hmm. at at this point, what is the ratio of zombies as proxy for communist liberals? As opposed to zombies as proxy for fascist right-wing jackasses. Well, I think this one has to stand outside of that because of what I'm about to tell you about it. But okay, um, as far as the others go, having not or having zombies who are tied specifically to erotica, um, having having a very formula set of zombie movies come out. And again, uh, with resident evil, it was a uh, grant you that was also in 2007. And I'm talking about other stuff in 2008, but uh, you know, it's there's, there's a lot of films being made. I would also point out that not all of them have such a quick turnaround. So many were being made while Bush was still in office, but their release comes after. Um, okay. and yeah, okay. and so I, I think there's a catharsis there now, specifically okay. Dead Snow. I want to talk about, um, because okay. it's incredibly formula. Okay, so there are six uh medical students uh who go up to a cabin for the weekend to ride around on uh, what are they're not jet skis, they're snow, snowmobiles, snowmobiles? yeah, those okay. Um, Snowmobiling. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, It's Norway. I'm pretty sure there's... makes sense. Yes. I'm pretty sure there's three gals and three guys. Okay. Um, I'm going from memory here. It's been a while since I've seen it. Three gals, three guys, uh, and two of them... One of the guys and gals is a couple, um, and then I think the other four are kind of not, but maybe there's some sexual tension there. Orbital friends who may or may not get laid. Got it. So uh, the the characters are, there is uh, one guy. Oh, they're not all medical students, I don't think, actually. Just one of them is. And he is afraid of blood, um, which they make fun of him that? briefly. Yep. They make okay. fun of him briefly that... for it. So it's addressed. Okay. Uh, and then um, they're all kind of getting things ready for this cabin, right? So they're at, they, they arrive okay. at the cabin. They, they've split up. One of them's already riding in on the, the snowmobile. 
um, and they're getting things ready. And then that night they all play truth or dare or some sort of game. Um, by the way, the bathroom, because of course they do, because it's a horror film. So you have to have that element of, of young person sort of sexuality. Yeah. Well, so nice element involved there. Yep. So there is a, an outhouse, um, because they don't have a bathroom in there. Um, which makes sense if everything's frozen, you don't want to have like you know pipes, pipes right? Because but that would be they, bad. They do have yeah. a sink, but you know you could just leave that on drip. But anyway, so they're they're playing a game, and um, this old man shows up out of nowhere, and he knocks on the door, and they open the door. He's this old man, and he says, "Give me coffee." And so they invite him in and they give him coffee and it's very tense and he's just sitting there and he's stirring and drinking and he does the whole, you kids don't know what happened up here speech. And as it turns out, what happened up there were that the Nazis took all the gold from the town and then also tried to do experiments and all the gold was returned except for one piece or or none of the gold was returned and if the gold ever shows up again the the nazis will rise from the dead or something like i i don't quite remember the speech that he gives but he essentially is the pointer scene for the entire movie okay yeah because you have to have that because again as you said this is formulaic and that's how that goes it's incredibly formulaic so then yeah, he that's leaves the trope. yeah okay. then he leaves and they're like that old man was crazy let's go back to playing our pseudo sexual games uh, yeah. oh hey look i found a uh, secret door to the underside don't, oh there's a cool box no yep they stop. pick up the box oh, and oh fuck. wow there's gold in there and one of them hits the ground and meanwhile, one of the guys is out there in the outhouse and one of the gals goes out there and fucks him. Um, and then he comes back in having just gotten laid. Uh, and then she gets killed because she had sex uh, by a yeah. Nazi zombie. Now, meanwhile, the old man is out there camping and he gets attacked by a Nazi zombie and killed. Uh, and then pretty soon they're all getting attacked by Nazi zombies uh, through the night and then through the day. And it ends up being a whole lot of uh, ad hoc weapons and improvised weapons. And there's a chainsaw involved and there's a claw hammer involved. And and there's... Well, a, because zombie yeah. movies, those are the tropes. Because the, the, yeah. the genre by this point has evolved to to the level where part of the story is what are you, you know, this, this isn't a, uh, this isn't a vampire story. Like you don't, you don't have to have the ritualized weapon of a steak or garlic or, right. or you know, silver or whatever. It's just like, Oh fuck, there's zombies. What have you got to hand? Mm-hmm. You know, because, because the primal horror involved in, in a zombie apocalypse is, Oh shit, this is coming out of nowhere. And we don't have time to prepare, mm-hmm. you know, whereas other like a werewolf or a, or a vampire or a ghost is like, no, no, there are specific rules here. Right. You know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting twist on, you know, so many, so many traditional monsters have a very Apollonian set of rules about what you've got to do to kill them. Mm-hmm. Zombies are innately, I kind of want to say more chaotic 
because like you can kill them with anything just as long as you hit them hard enough in the head. Yeah. They're more democratized. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, little anyway. correction on some of that. Um, okay. it, the, the zombies uh, saw that the war was going to end. And so they looted um, or the Nazis did, they looted um, the town and then the citizens uh, rose up and ambushed and killed a bunch of them. Um, and then the zombies, or then the Nazis were chased off into the mountains where they froze to death. Um, and so then the old man leaves and, you know, gets all okay. grumpy and shit. Um, and so the next morning, uh, you know, they're all fucking around. And yeah, that night, um, sure enough, uh, the, the gal gets killed for having sex. And then they, yeah. they go... Um, they go out to look for her and uh, they don't find her. But I think one of the characters also was supposed to show up, but she was camping. And so she's going to catch up to them the next day. So there's then okay. a layer of like, we got to find our friend. But uh, the gal who was in the outhouse, they go looking for her. And of course her severed head shows up in the window. And now, oh, wow. Yeah. That's and, lovely. And then okay. uh, the, the guy that she had sex with, he gets murdered um, and then, yeah. Okay, well, that's at least egalitarian. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the you know. one of the guys has gone off to go find the friend, and he shows, he finds, like, a Nazi cave filled with old Nazi weapons, and so he gets attacked by the zombies, but he escapes, but he's bitten, and then oh, he... okay, so that's a question. Does he turn? Nope. Uh, so then, then, if I recall correctly, he grabs one of the machine guns and mounts it on the on the snowmobile. Uh, okay. So these, yeah. these zombies, because they're not viral, they don't transmit zombieism. Right. Oh, see right. now that's, that's a, that's a, a deviation from what has become the trope. Though. Yes. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I like that. Yeah. So then, uh, I think they try to use Molotov cocktails, but then they burn down their own cabin by accident. And then, yeah, that's the problem with those tactics. And then the guy who's afraid of blood, like he's just fully committed to doing it. And then somebody grabs him from behind and he spins around and buries an ax into his girlfriend. That sucks. Yeah. And then I believe everybody, uh, more more Nazi zombies come, and then everybody tries to run to the cars, and finally somebody realizes, oh right, um, the box of loot, and the Nazi zombie commander gets the box of loot, and then they don't follow. But then it turns out the main character, well, the 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 semi main character, the the one who lives, uh, he gets in his car. And one of the coins falls out of his pocket. The end. Um, oh. Well, it ends with the main Nazi commander smashing his window. So, oh, okay. There you right. go. So uh, it's very formula. I mean, it, it hits all the oh, buttons. Yeah. I mean, um, right down, right down to the very seventies ending of yes. the Nazi commander smashing his window, yes. like Count Yorga Vampire, which I know I've, mm -hmm. I've referenced before. You have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what a fucking downer. So yeah. Yeah, okay. so that's uh, that's that's Dead Snow. Uh, it's very formula, and it's very awesome because of that. You can walk away and come back and know exactly where you are in the film. <laughs> like you know, it's it's just good fun. But it's but it's a competently done. Yeah, well, it's a Norwegian performance and formula comedy. 
on some levels, you know, and so it's okay, it's yeah. going to hold to the trope through the ridiculousness. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and it, highlight the ridiculousness. Yes. While playing it straight. Yes, and and yet somehow which coming a, away tongue in cheek. Yeah, um, which which is a very Nordic sensibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So in two thousand nine, also Romero's final directed zombie movie before he died came out called Survival of the Dead. Um. It flopped. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Survival well, of the dead. I mean, that's like we had Night okay. of the anyway. Living Living Dead. Ed. Yeah, so, granted, but okay. So, so it flopped. It flopped badly. Uh, well, that's and a, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It followed the members of the National Guard unit who went AWOL from the prior movie. See, and, okay, yeah. here's the thing. That's a great fucking idea. Yes. Like, I really like that. I, why, okay, why did it flop? Because it, well, it follows this group who goes AWOL, uh, and, and they happen upon two different families who live on an island um, who are approaching the zombies in, a different, in two different fashions. The first family are the Muldoons, and they round up all the zombies they can find, and they hope for a cure someday. And the other family, the O'Flins, they get wind of this, and they try to kill the undead. The Muldoons are trying to get the zombies to eat something besides human flesh, and of course it doesn't work. And eventually the, some of the zombies do eat something besides human, which is a horse. Uh, meanwhile, the patriarchs of the families are zombified at the end and they continue to try to shoot each other to death out of some memory of what their lives used to be like. I think this is why it flopped. It's Hatfields and McCoys meets Gomer Pyle. And I think I do find it interesting. Names of the family are, are specifically Flynn and Muldoon. Yeah. Oh, Flynn. Yeah. Oh, Flynn. Yeah. Oh, 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 wow. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you could have. Not, Flynn's not bad enough. You could have done Mick Muldoon, Oflin. you know, and just made yeah, it a little more obvious. Like, but yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Here's the other reason I think it flopped. Uh, number one, you've got that aspect. And I don't think America was ready for acknowledging the split uh, down the middle on such ideological uh, stance. Um, but more yeah. importantly, in 2009, Zombieland came out. And I think it shifted the genre in a lot of ways um, because Zombieland brought a very different feel on zombies. Uh, yes, there had been comedies before. I'm not saying that. But uh, and yes, we'd seen zombies hunted for sport and, and that had been explored in other movies, usually as a sign of like the nihilistic decadence of the post-apocalypse, post-apocalyptic society. Um, uh, so, yeah, those things are true, but it still has a very different vibe to them. And essentially, the the uh, the plot behind this one is that BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, um, mad cow disease, it jumped species and started making mad humans. Um, yeah. So survivors are few and far between, and the bonds mm-hmm. of civilization are strained at best. There's a young man named Columbus, who's played by Jesse Eisenberg. Um, he's trying to get from his college town back to his hometown to check on his parents from Texas to Ohio, incidentally. Um, which this, that, that pinged my memory. I started thinking of the cattle drives, but it's in reverse. Yeah. A little bit. So, yeah. Now he meets up with someone who's not like him named Tallahassee, Woody Harrelson. 
who's really good at zombie killing. Uh, so if you think of 48 hours, but take out about 75 to 80% of the racism and uh, <laughs> 100% of the Nick Nolte, um, you've, yeah. you've basically got it, right? So, yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. I I have. It's, it's interesting. Zombieland is a zombie movie I was actually able to sit down and watch without like any trouble. Cool. And again, a wimp when it comes to horror movies. It's because of how it was played. Yeah. Yeah, Zombieland plays it as as enough of a comedy mm-hmm. that like I could handle it. Now, at the risk of of like getting ahead of your notes again, because the in the other episode you you talked about um, Shaun of the Dead. Yes, and I beat you to mentioning that that is a quintessential Gen X. Uh-huh. zombie film this is i'm gonna say the quintessential millennial zombie film mm-hmm. because of again there's by this time so now we're looking at, at Shaun of the dead being when it was made and this is mm-hmm. now you know 10 years later however many years after the fact um Jesse Eisenberg, number one, is very clearly mm-hmm. in the millennial generation. And number two, the the sensibility and the outlook of the film mm-hmm. is very much in keeping with that same generational shift. You know, Shaun of the Dead was a, look, all I want to do is, like, play video games, hang out with my buddy, and, like, you know, I don't. I kind of don't care about the rest of all this stuff. Just like let me let me do what I got to do. And this one is okay. Look, this whole situation sucks, but here's what you can do to get through it. And and I think there's there's a very potent generational difference between our generation, which is Gen X, like meh. All right, look, I want to do what I want to do, like mm-hmm. whatever. And the and the situation that you know millennials found themselves in, which is like what we found ourselves in, only everything is more entrenched, and like we don't know when we're going to be able to actually like be adults mm-hmm. because everything that defined adulthood is now shifty and like doesn't apply to us anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's been this huge paradigm shift in the way the whole world is is working now. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so yeah, I I think I think we're looking at uh, Zombieland being a a generational statement through the lens of the zombie genre. Mm-hmm. Am I full of shit? Or no, I think you you're think? right. I think you're off by your years. This is only five years away from Shaun of the Dead, which kind of well, shows me the micro generations. Uh, that that do exist between X and millennials. Okay, well, I was so. also going to say that like we're Gen X, so we we mm-hmm. took a long time to you know get anywhere. Yeah. You so, know. okay, so uh, they're they're on their travels and they meet Wichita and Little Rock, which are played by Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin. Um, yeah. And and the thing is, <laughs> if you've noticed, everybody's named after a place. Yeah, um, which really mis- makes me wish that they'd met someone from a single town in Kentucky, because that would be, hey, this is my boyfriend, Beaverlick. <laughs> so, but 
I wasn't in the wider writer's <laughs> room, so no, you weren't. So, so the girls hustle the boys, uh, and the boys give chase, and eventually they all become uneasy allies. Uh, Columbus switches destinations after he finds out that his hometown of Columbus, Ohio, has been destroyed, and when the women say they're going to an amusement park that's supposed to be zombie-free in L.A. Um, so now it's uh, unlikely allies and people that they don't trust travel story. Um, think Cormac McCarthy's uh, The Road if the kid was zany. Um and it's a going out west uh, thing. So, you know, maybe uh, add in, sprinkle in a little bit of Grapes of Wrath. Um, so, a little bit. Yeah. Now, more on this overall meaning uh, later, but suffice to say, this is the first popularization of a Western zombie movie for a mass audience. Because this is, in some ways, a heading west Conestoga wagon style. Okay. Now, when they get out west. Yeah. Okay. When they when they get out west, they meet they meet Bill Murray's character, who is Bill Murray in that world. Yeah. And he dresses and acts like a zombie to move amongst them, but he lives in his mansion when he's not traveling. Uh, so they all get to the amusement park, and the women turn on the park to enjoy it. And of course, the noise and the lights draw zombies to the park, and there's hilarious peril. Uh, eventually, Wichita kisses Columbus and tells him her real name, and then the four of them seem to be trauma bonded, which. Yeah, gives credence to your idea that this is a millennial film because millennials and are nothing if not really good at trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. I'm also going to say there's a weird, I don't want to say inversion, but a weird mutation mm-hmm. in a way of the, um, and I know we got, we got criticized hard mm-hmm. um, on Twitter for, for bringing up this trope, but there's in a way there's a little bit of a of a mutation of the um manic pixie dream girl trope in mm-hmm. that Jesse Eisenberg's character is this kind of well you know kind of kind of milk toast doesn't really have any direction he wants to get back to his parents cuz he cares about you know getting back to his parents but he doesn't really have any direction until he meets Wichita and Wichita mm-hmm. is this you know badass no no I'm going to protect my sister I'm going to be a you know total survivor Right. You, know, you know, Emma Stone badass kind of character archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he winds up kind of through his involvement with her, mm-hmm. like becoming somebody who literally says, fuck this clown mm-hmm. and and manning up. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's the same kind of. Uh, the the character arc is kind of the same as the you know feckless lit student you know meeting the uh, you know manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, uh, breakfast at Tiffany's kind of kind of arc there, but instead of being you know Sandra Bullock in in you know full on hippie chick mode, she's like a badass zombie movie survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a weird inversion. Okay. In a way sure. of the trope, but it's but it still kind of follows the same arc. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, which which like I noticed at the time when I first watched the movie and like there's a part of me that finds part of that whole trope. Mm-hmm. Like the whole arc is is a little I don't know if problematic is the right word, but a little bit irksome. I don't know. Anyway, I'm 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 just kind of kind of spitballing, but I I, right. I spotted that kind of arc going on there, mm-hmm. 
And on the one hand, Emma Stone kind of is a badass and the character she plays is totally a badass Mm -hmm. and that's awesome and everything, but it's still kind of the same. We're going to center Jesse Eisenberg's character. Yeah. And everything is about, you know, his arc. Yeah. Well, he is the main character. So she is a badass manic pixie dream girl. Okay. Yeah. What I find interesting is that at the end of the Bush presidency, there's a charming cowboy type who takes three pe- three young people out west in a western-style comedy, which is set during an apocalypse. Uh, and instead of being serious, it's hilarious. There's a, there's a lot of things in this movie, but what grabbed me the most was uh, about that. It's gallows humor. All of life sucks and is turned upside down. Unending wars, enormous financial ruin, people died when it rained in Louisiana, and so on. But mm-hmm. what can you do when the apocalypse is here but laughed? And and the characters are definitely quadrant fillers. You've got the young liberal college kid who cares about his family. You've got the older folksy, well-armed mentor man. You've got two cute blondes, one who takes care of her younger sister, kind of a Paris and Nikki echo there. Okay. So both ends of the political spectrum can see themselves in the protagonists in this film. Okay. I'm I'm going to throw one point out there. Sure. Um, the reveal about Tallahassee uh-huh. is one that at the time mm-hmm. was very, was hard. Now that I have a three and a half year old little boy, mm-hmm. I don't think I could watch this movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the reveal about what actually, what actually yeah, he lost motivates his wife Tallahassee. Kid. Yeah. Like, I I could not fucking handle that. Like even thinking about it right now, talking to you about it and remembering mm-hmm. the reveal in the film, I am having a hard time talking about it right now. Um and so I totally see what you're saying, but I also just want to bring up the extent to which that is mm-hmm. a weird punch in the gut in the middle of well, it's an easy way to give somebody depth. It's cheap. It's it's in wrestling we call that cheap heat. It's spitting on okay. your opponent. Um, you know, he's he's zany and this and that and the other, and he's also kind of grumpy and all that. But uh, you know, he's down and he's folksy. By the way, he has a dead kid. Like it's it's yeah, instant okay. depth. You know. Okay, I so, can see that. Yeah, but but yeah, I I. I Okay, yeah. and I and I totally agree with the cheap part of cheap heat because yeah. fuck you, man. Okay, so anyway. but yeah, this is gallows humor, and it is post-apocalyptic, yeah. and you are being guided through the folksiest Virgil who could ever take you through the nine circles. Uh, okay, so right. which is right after we had that president that you could really have a beer with him, and and you know, yeehaw was foreign policy. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say fuck him because that's an easy answer. I kind of want to say fuck the American electorate. Well, it you know what their I mean? Fault the first time. Are we sure? <laughs> Popular versus, uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. Granted. Okay. So, but, but still. The movie itself was a smash success. Uh, it made yeah. over $100 million in theaters and it only cost $23 million to make. And it's definitely a Western. Now, in 2010, Resident Evil Afterlife came out, 
And at this at this point, why bother? It makes a ton of money. It gets panned. It continues to be hugely popular with fans of the video game. It's getting less and less about the zombies, though, and more about video game world and Alice's growing fight with the Umbrella Corporation. Zombies are kind of pushed mostly to the background, environmental okay. menaces. Yeah, and okay, I, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Is is Alice still a telekinetic yeah, in this one? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Now, I do think that that very quick encapsulation of it the fact that they get pushed to the background plus the zombie land approach is what actually opens the door for a TV series of such significance that it's going to take up a lot more of this podcast than I'd originally intended. Okay. Now I'm still going to try to be brief as everyone and their mom has seen it, but this is the walking dead. And actually I think that that's actually a really good place to stop it on the next okay. episode. I'm going to talk about the walking dead for Way too long, considering I said I was only <laughs> going to do movies. Uh, but you you can't you can't not answer to Josephine Tay when you're talking about Richard the Third. You can't not yeah. answer to The Walking Dead when you're talking zombie movies. So yeah, it makes sense. So I would point out when though you're talking about the genre, right? Of I, I I would point out though that we have an approach that it is now like a western, and that the zombies are now a background environmental menace they are just part of the scenery that activates when you need menace so those are things to keep in mind um when you're when you're talking about that but now there is a a nihilistic chuckling at it so that's that's kind of where zombie movies have gone and that takes us to 2010 which again there's the old theory uh of like when zombie movies are popular or whatnot and i will get to that uh because i think it deserves mention and and interrogation but i don't know that it necessarily holds up so anyway for right now though uh what have you gleaned um i think what's what's sticking in and what's what's sticking out in my mind right now mm -hmm. is the fact that this is now its own genre mm -hmm. like it has been for a while but mm -hmm. but like talking about dead snow and the ways that that you know followed the formula and then going to Zombieland talking about okay no now we have an upending of the formula that now mm -hmm. shifts the tropes mm -hmm. is is number one, an interesting statement on the evolution of like the way the memes involved work, mm -hmm. which I, which I think is, is fascinating from a, from a very pointy headed kind of point of view. But at the same time, it's, it's very interesting to me that, um, we see the zombie genre being used as an overlay for things that are very clearly other genres too. Mm -hmm. Like Zombieland being the huge overlay, you know, the Western overlay over the zombie genre uh -huh. or vice versa. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to have to save the, the rest of my statement about that for, for the next episode because the, the like the end of the very first episode of The Walking Dead was was an amazing statement about that mm -hmm. uh, by itself. So I'm, I'm going to have to wait for that until then. But but the, the interplay between genres that like, well, mm -hmm. okay, you can have mm -hmm. a zombie, like there are zombies in this story 
and this is a zombie movie, but it's a Western. Right. Like we're telling a Western story, but like it's a zombie story at the same time, you know, in the same way that, you know, science fiction, we're going to, we're going to tell a science fiction story, but it's basically a Western. We're going to tell a science fiction story, but it's basically a romance, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I think it's interesting that zombie story mm-hmm. has managed to separate itself from the horror genre. Yes. So thoroughly by this point mm-hmm. that like Zombieland almost isn't at all a horror film. No, th- it's really why, not. Which is why I was able to sit down and watch the whole thing yeah. and not have trouble getting asleep for weeks afterward. And I think it has to do you know, with the fact that uh, what I what I've already kind of brought up, and that is that the the zombie themselves are a landscape menace. Yeah, they are not the central terror. There is no central terror. It is humans dealing with humans. Hence the western. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So how about you? I mean, at this point, what, what is your, what is your, I'm not going to say what have you gleaned because you're the one who did all the work on, on this whole, yeah. you know, Titanic series. Ain't, ain't but no what, gleaning what is to your, be done. What, um, is your, what is your reflection at this point on the road? Uh, just that I keep looking at the year that something happens and it, I just, it keeps matching up with the shifts that are happening in society. I mean, we're talking about, essentially resident evil where the threat is relegated to kind of the background. And it's much more about a corporation against a person in Mm -hmm. 2010, 2010 are the midterms where, uh, the, the tea party takes over. Mitch fucking McConnell among others. Don't forget, don't forget, uh, what was his face? The, the, Boehner? Oh, Boehner? No, he thought he could hold Boehner the tiger by like, the tail. Um, no, um, no. God, the young guys, those just the, the young Tea Party Caucus. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and, and really handsome and, guy that does P90X. God, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Um, Real shithead. Oh, shit. Not Rand. Um, no. Totally. He's been Randian, but like I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. And he's a, yeah. Yeah, so you you have people like that, you know. And yeah, they, well, they you enter know, in. So and and yeah. you have people like uh, oh the gal from Minnesota, um, the really crazy one, Michelle Bachman. You oh, have people like that starting God. to show up. If, if if she didn't get into office on that year, she came in shortly thereafter. So when yeah. you have this huge transition, as in the scariest possible thing has happened. Uh, to a certain segment of society, a black man dared to rise above his station. Um, then suddenly they go apeshit, and uh, it it the zombies are a background menace. And really, what matters is the fight between humans. Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you got anything you want us to read or take a look at? Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. I'm so so as we record this, we're in spooky season to, you know, not not give too much away. But um, I have rediscovered the remarkable power mm-hmm. of of Poe's 
uh, uh, language, yeah. uh, trying trying to teach the Raven to my sixth grade English class. Hmm. Um, and and I, there is a version, there is a video that was done by Trilobite Films. If you look up the Raven Trilobite Films, you'll mm-hmm. find this video. It's a black and white video, uh, it was a black and white film, short mm-hmm. film. It's 12 minutes long of the Raven that is amazingly done. Nice. Uh, the reading is, uh, the, the reading of the poem is brilliant. The, the acting by the, the fellow who portrays the narrator is wonderfully done. And it uses stop motion animation, hmm. like paper puppet, like the, the same kind of animation that you see in Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, for the Raven itself. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely amazing. And the poem, I had forgotten just exactly how flowery Poe's language was. Mm. Um, which seeing as he was a Southerner writing in 1847, who was, you know, probably under the influence of absinthe, at least part of the time he was writing it shouldn't come as any shock, but, but his, his ability with meter and rhyme and managing to then create Mm -hmm. within the restriction of, of the poem he was trying to write telling a story that really is fucking scary um, is really amazing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I recommend everybody take, you know, a few minutes out of your day because I'm not going to recommend you read it after dark. <laughs> um, go back and go back and find, find the Raven online and read it mm-hmm. because it really is. There's a reason it's a classic. It's amazing. And again, struggling to try to teach the sixth graders has, as number one, uh, driven me nearly to the point of madness. <laughs> and two, has really made me appreciate just how amazing the work is. So that's that's my recommendation. Nice tonight. Nice. How about you? I'm gonna actually recommend people go watch Dead Snow. It's spelled D O, but it looks like a null set D. And then S N O, I think either with an umlaut or another no set null set. So, so the so the the, the Norwegian spelling. Dude. Yeah, Dodd Snow. So, Dodd Dodd yeah. Snow. Yeah. So I'm gonna recommend people watch that because that is a fun 90 minutes. It really is. So okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, where can they find you on the social medias? Uh, I can be found at E H Blaylock on Twitter. Uh, and I can be found at Mr. Blaylock on uh, the TikTok mm-hmm. and on Instagram. And we collectively, if you want to shout at me for bringing up the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope again, you can find us collectively on Twitter at Geek History Time. And where can you be found, sir? Ah, uh, you can find me at Da Harmony on both Insta and Twitter. Uh, and that then every, uh, the first Tuesday of every month, uh, you will find me on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns, uh, slinging puns with the capital punishment crew. So those are the places you can find me for right now. Very cool. Yeah. Well, go ahead. 
Uh, well, I'm also going to point out that, of course, our uh, website is a geekhistoryoftime.com. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, yeah. And please go check it out and uh, find us on uh, the uh, iTunes uh, podcast app on Stitcher and on Spotify. I'd subscribed. Please do so. Mm-hmm. Please give us a review. Uh, please give us the five stars that you know we have earned. Uh, especially Damien with his exhaustive research of these topics <laughs> and, you know, me for finding a way to wing it so consistently when it's my job to do that. Um, you know, give us the five stars we deserve. Um, and yeah, after that, that's pretty much what I got. Cool. Well, for so, A Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s. <laughs> <laughs>